0: Welcome to the Cure Feeling Podcast. My guest this week is Rory O'Connor of Rory Stories. He speaks to me about managing his mental health, battling addiction, and how his childhood shaped him. Rory O'Connor, thank you for joining me today. Rory, a lot of people will know you because of your social media sketches. Were you always the jokester in the room when you were a child?
1: Ah yeah, I definitely would. Certainly um going back to school days and no, I would have been the the kind of the class clown as they say and <clears throat> always looking for to have a bit of crack basically, yeah. So it, it's not like I just said, oh you know, I'll try and do this uh and give it a go. It was kind of my part of my personality, I would say. Um, and <clears throat> so yeah, no, definitely I was looking for a bit of crack <laughs> all the time, like you know what I mean, just even just meeting people day to day, just uh, banging out a few one-liners and having a bit of crack with them, yeah. So it's definitely been uh, there for a long time.
0: Mm. You spoke previously about, uh, and in some of your books as well, that childhood wasn't easy for you, that you would have struggled a little bit in school. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so like, I suppose, like a lot of people in my generation, like uh, the education system wasn't my best friend. Like, you know, I wouldn't be, I suppose, academically intelligent um, and the way school was certainly back in the kind of 80s and 90s that was all it was was academic you know spelling maths uh, read and retain information so yeah don't really have really great memories of primary school certainly like a couple of nice teachers obviously but a couple of not, not so nice teachers and would have spent an awful lot of time kicked out of the class to be honest with you or you know facing the wall that old school stuff so that kind of yeah, it's only when we get older, you look back at it when you're, I suppose, figuring out trauma that, you know, might be within. And that's certainly one trigger for me. Even to this day, now, the word stupid would still be um if, if I'm not in good form. Like, and someone might say it might just hit a bell inside my head. Like, so uh, it's just something you have to kind of trauma. It, it never really goes away. Like, you just, you just have to kind of work on it. Um, and that's from my experience anyway.
0: So it would be fair to say that your experience of some teachers in school would have led to t- trauma for you, the treatment of you in school, um, and then that may trigger. Has that triggered something later in life for you then?
1: Yeah, like I suppose when you're told that, like ten or eleven years raised, that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not clever, or you're, you're constantly handing your journal over to the teacher and it's just constantly like. Easy, distracted, distracting others. Like, obviously, ADHD wasn't known back then. It's more of the relevant now, and I would have been 100% ADHD. So, but back then, you were just considered bold or whatever. And I suppose for me, like, I always based, um, I suppose a lot of people in Ireland would have have based, uh, you know, are you going to be successful is based off how you do in your your school days, like leaving certain points and stuff like that. So, that kind of like always was in my head over the years, being like, you know, I'm not smart, but like, I'll, I'll try, do as best I can. Like, I could never really see myself doing, you know, earning great money or, or having a really good job or, or a job that I'd be happy to say, oh, yeah, I, I do this. I'm an accountant or I'm a physio or I'm a doctor, whatever. Like, you know, I, I again, this is how we were, a lot of us were wired uh, in Ireland in them days. That's the way it was. You, like, you know, the, the parents, like, Above us, obviously, their generation was even worse again. It was like, you know, go to school, go to college, get a degree, get a pension, get a mortgage. And that's how we we all have to live our lives. And yeah, thank God, (laughs) things are different now anyway.
0: And you have spoken previously about um, being diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. When that diagnosis came later to you in life, do you look back now to you as a child And do you feel sorry for young Rory now having had that diagnosis that maybe you would have been able to deal with situations better if you had had the support at that time?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there there is a case of like, oh, poor me. But like, it's poor me for a generation, really. Like, you know, I think there's a hell of a lot of people who, you know, were undiagnosed with with, with various uh, different minds or whatever you want to call it back. And then they so uh, yeah I try not to yeah there is there's like for a good few years like I held anger over a certain uh, teacher I had in primary school and in the last few years I've learned to kind of just address it and move on like because you can't you know and I'd be good friends with a man called Jerry Cooney who would be like very high up addiction counselor in the Rutlands and he was who I turned to when I was struggling with addiction and yeah, he says the first thing you do in 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 recovery is you know you go back to your trauma and you address it and you move on because if you keep going back to the trauma, the the alcohol or the drugs or the gambling or whatever it is will will feed off that and say, oh poor me, uh, you know I want to get out of my mind or whatever. And I've seen a lot of that obviously in in Mountjoy with the documentary. A lot of the boys would have a lot of stuff going on in their heads, and and the the easiest way to get out of that is drugs. Um, so yeah like there was a case for years like you know when i got the diagnosis that oh my god i knew i wasn't stupid or i knew this i knew that but i look at it as a positive that now you know i know how my mind works um and i start to be become uh better self-aware of how my mind works so it's definitely it's definitely a positive um when you obviously reflect on your school days in a negative way yeah of course but then moving forward at least knowing okay well I know I'm good at certain things and I know I'm not so good at certain things and, and you just have to uh, adapt as best you can.
0: Rory's stories was born out of you putting your energy into something to distract your mind essentially having battled with depression and addiction. um, Was it was it just the gambling that you were addicted to Rory?
1: Yeah it was pretty much like most would uh, it you know it's like when your doctor says how much are you drinking, like, and when you say that to nice person, we're all alcoholics, like, do you know what I mean? And we all have drink problems. So, I would have been in the, the 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 culture of the GA with like drinking after matches and that. But no I think, I think I would have been good. I would have known went to turn the switch on and off, like regarding that, like, and that's the discipline sport brings to you, like when you're training for matches, you go off the beer and then you go mad after you win or whatever that is. So. Now, gambling was the one because, um, you know, with ADHD, like the more study you do, the more it opens up your mind. And one is the lack of dopamine kick into the mind. Like, um, that's a big one with ADHD. Like, so you, you look for that somewhere else, i.e. alcohol or or it was never about money for me. It was about it was that buzz of putting a bet on or I had to have a bet on to watch a match or I was only in good form if I knew I had a bet on that evening, and it's this ongoing. It's like a trip is the way I can describe it. Like, and then the impulsiveness but also, obviously, fairly firm. ADHD is 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 not thinking, just boom. And uh, if you could point the two of them, like gambling is certainly not. I I'd love if they had done research on, uh, you know, addicts, gambler addicts, and I'd say seventy percent of them will be ADHD because that's kind of how your your mindset is. Is that you're craving that dopamine kick and you're also craving the impulsiveness to kind of give you that thrill, you're a thrill seeker. So that's why gambling can definitely do a good bit of damage that way. Like,
0: And is that the, that kind of, you know, trying to get that kick, is that what led you to addiction, do you think?
1: Yeah, um, there's loads of ways of looking at it. Like, you know, um, for me, my earliest memories were I oh, really, really bad asthma, like really bad um and I would have been in Temple Street. Touch or go for a good few times. Like, my dad and mom would tell you loads of stories. Like, even, like, one uh, recently she was telling me that they, I was so under pressure. They flew me into Temple Street and they left the car outside the front and ran me straight in and my mom came out and the car was robbed. This would have been back in the 90s whatever. Yeah, this, all that was left was glass, like, of her car. Yeah, so she... So, <clears throat> so basically, what I'm trying to get to is, like, I became... Very reliant on inhalers, Ventolin inhalers. And like say if I went to a match and I didn't have my inhaler in my bag. I could actually nearly feel myself getting asthma attacks. <clears throat> and same as like even when I got older. My wife now when I was younger going out. Or she lives in Blanchardstown, And I drive over there and I'd be staying the night in her house. And if I forgot my inhaler I'd actually drive home. Like so. That's i and like that's a reliant i i actually i didn't even realize I'd be taking my head you know, so that that's addiction, that's certainly addiction, so yeah we're we are getting there with the psychology around, but between all that we like relying on something at a very young age, also, I have a teddy bear that I still am proud to say is in my house, um I got him when I was born called Ted, and very much latched on to him for years and years, Um, even now like he uh We we were away on holidays there in Portugal and my little fella who's four, he was like, Daddy, you have to bring your teddy as well. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can risk putting him in a bag. So so we brought the teddy in his bag and I didn't care about his laptops. It's like, Where's that teddy? And we got there to Portugal and on the way home, or leaving the apartment, I was like, Where's that teddy? Like, so there's definitely it all just makes sense, Kira. Like if you think about all that, like there's obviously a big addictive personality there. Um, you know, it's only it's like uh, nothing makes sense uh, you know, looking forward. It's when we look back, things start to add up in your in your childhood to lead you towards that kind of mindset. So so my Ted and I've about forty inhalers in the house as well still, like so uh it's there, yeah.
0: What do you think would happen if you ever lost the teddy bear?
1: Yeah, well, um, again, it was a story of uh, we went to Manchester one year uh, with my mom and dad when I was maybe about eight or nine and we left it in the hotel and I, I went nuts. And my father literally, like, yeah, it was it was bedlam like and had to go and meet people at airports and make sure I came back in one piece. So he he hasn't went anywhere. Like I went to Australia for a year and I, I decided to leave my home. I wasn't willing to take the risk to bring this Ted um. And like people would say, Jeez, what are you talking about? Why would you tell anyone that? Like, I'm at the stage where I don't really hold that on anymore. I just say it as it is. And what was what was great was I oh, got a lot of feedback on my book, Rory Story, about the teddy story, and I put up a photo with Ted on my Facebook there one evening and the amount of people that sent me photographs of their Ted. This these were like men and women in their thirties, forties with these battered teddy bears. So like you know, you're definitely not the only one that has a teddy bear since you were young.
0: It's obviously an attachment thing, though. Have you have you explored that further, in terms of you know what that might mean to you, and have you ever thought of you know, um, are you taking a step further in your journey by perhaps getting rid of the teddy bear at some stage? What exactly does that represent to you?
1: Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, and. <clears throat> Yeah, I a bit like suppose the 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 grudge I held over the school teacher for years and kinda of having to move on from that and yeah, I, I, I never thought of it that way. Um I'm not so sure uh I need to put him in the in the teddy bin or whatever just yet. Like, but it is I never thought of it that way. Like it's see, the thing is like addiction and I, I do an awful lot of talks to Mina for for companies and schools, but like my, my experience and every uh, information I get is fed for me from Jerry, who's like professional or professional. So I don't make this up. I don't claim to be any way qualified to make it up. It's just my journey and his professional experience of it. So addiction never leaves you like it never leaves you like there's, you're always just swaying that bumper car one way or another. Some addictions can be, really, really harmful to you and, and everyone around you. And some can be semi-harmful and some can be mediocrely harmful, like, you know. So obviously the big ones, the drugs, the gambling, and alcohol can bury most people. But then people turn to exercise or they turn to sport or golf and then they get hooked on that. And then like, it's it's funny, like I, I, I spoke to a fella recently who turned his attention to golf. He was a coke addict and he went mad into the golf and got good at it. And then he was like, Rory, like, it was like my daughter's communion. And I know he was like to my wife, yeah, but there's a big golf event on that day. Like, you know, like, what? And she's like, it's your daughter's communion. What are you on with? He's like, I know, but I, I'm going to play early and all. And like, it's only when it was said back to him, he was like, oh my God. And and obviously he was like, oh, do you want me to go and do bags of Coke every night then? Like I was doing or what do you want me to do? So again, there's never really, it's still, it's always an ongoing balance. Like it really is like, and, and that's what I've learned from speaking with a lot of lads about addiction is, it, just because you stop being an addict at add a negative and you turn to a positive, it's still going to be, you have to mind it basically. Like, you know, and I'm the same with social media. Like you have to take breaks from it. You have to, you have to be careful on social media because you get engrossed on, you know, following shares, likes, comments, all this. Don't mean kick to the head. And that, that's, that can, that can be just as downfall as, as any addiction. So you just really have to just constantly be on your toes. And my wife is great. For for that like she be kind of the sensible one, like and I'm happy to admit I'm well under the tongue in that regards. I know there was a a, a kind of match man, oh you're wrapped, you're wrapped. I need to be wrapped, Kira. That's the way I am. Like if I'm not wrapped, I'm a liability. And that's why I was so engrossed again in the, the documentary about Joyce, because I know in a blink of an eye I could be looking at, at, at someone else and me in there doing that. And that's that, that's where the connection is with people who struggle with addiction, like
0: Yeah um you you obviously sought help and you spoke to your father and your wife when you hit rock bottom can you i know it might be difficult but can you recall what that felt like you know i've had a lot of previous guests speak about when they hit rock bottom and how the resilience and the strength that you find to come out of it with support but for you what what was that actually like because so many people um and look I'll speak to you about this in a couple of minutes, but gambling seems to be huge within the GA community. Um so for you when you hit hit rock bottom, how what was that really like for you?
1: Yeah, like there's loads of ways to describe it, but an emptiness is certainly um the one word that sticks out. And anyone who's you know, been in that place, it's because your Your mind is so powerful like as a human being, like your mind is so powerful and and I accept that i tell I tell myself more negatives than positives on a daily basis all the time and and it's just I don't know how to change that. I work on it, but it's just the way it is like no matter when you're going through a dark place like no matter what anyone tells you, you can't see it yourself like it's nearly like there's a you're in this cage and so at that moment, like you know, you like you you really like it's it's hard to say, but you do just want to die. Like you want to you want to get that mind completely numb. And again, it goes back to like the steps leading to suicide is 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 addiction abuse because once it gets into you, it gives you this false sense of hope that everything's great in your head and and you know you, and then obviously when you come off this, you're, you're in heaps So like even like it's ten years ago since I hit my rock bottom, which was May two thousand thirteen, and like like since then to now, like obviously my life has changed completely, and I've done stuff that I obviously I'm very proud of. Like you know, I I've, I've had a, a lot of success, thankfully, and but there's still days, Kira, where like I'm useless, like you know, and a million people can tell you that you're doing great, but if you can't tell yourself that yourself, it, it's pointless, like, and that's what like like depression, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't, you know, the way for years, like, sure, how would your mind be depressed or lovely house and lovely car? Like, it's the greatest sort of bullshit ever. Like, it doesn't care. Like, it's nearly like you have reality here and depression is somewhere in between you and reality. And it's just going, no, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And yeah, it just yeah, it, it can be very difficult um at times, but I, I've just accepted that it's going to be there forever now. And it's the matter of, really enjoying when you're in good form or when you're in bad form just get through them days and do whatever you got to do like um so that's kind of how i manage it and yeah there's no obviously there's medication and there's exercise and there's this but i really believe that it just it lingers um and it's it's just an ongoing battle really
0: when you reflect on that time of your life now i know you said you know you have good days and bad days but when you know a lot of people that will be familiar with your story would have read about you know when you only had two or three euro left in your bank account, and you came out, and you rang your your partner at the time, and um, your wife now. When you reflect on that, that you quite possibly could have ended your own life. What goes through your mind now?
1: What 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 a waste it would have been, really. To be honest with you, Um, you know, I I pride myself on 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 helping others because. You know, I know it's it's the it's the popular thing to do now to quote mental health online and that but like I I, I can be proud to say that since I had a thousand followers I've been talking about and now there's a, a million there now but it's it's still the same message because I know how it feels like to be that low where it's touch or go in your head like and like Whenever I hear about suicide, like, obviously, number one is, like, you're 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 really annoyed. But the second thing I always ask is, what kind of a person, if you don't mind me asking? And eight, nine times out of ten, it's, oh, my God, lovely girl, lovely man, really popular, really, you know. And, and it really hurts me because I can see how they went that far. I can see it clearly of, like, you know, if Rory O'Connor was gone in 2013, I would have been a perfect example of what? Shreem was always in great form and, he, you know, chat away to anyone and blah, blah, blah. So, like, that's why I'm kind of nearly feel like <clears throat> I've come out of these woods with mental scars on my face and on my mind and on my head and and wanting to just tell people that, you know, there is there is another road or there is another option than than to do that. And that's all we can do, really, you know what I mean? It's It's all we can do is just, like, you know, I see it like when I'm, what drives me on is I don't care about online. for me online comments don't make don't they're like it's nearly like monopoly money, like you know, whether it's a positive or a negative, it doesn't matter. For me, it's people physically coming up to you and sh- and, and, and shaking your hand and like like <clears throat> you know, I was only in Cork there two weeks ago at a stag and I don't be out that much really, like three kids and all that, but like I was obviously out in, in busy bars and amount of people that come up and, and, and it was it was seventy percent mental health like it wasn't nothing about videos, it was just and you'd often have a fella come up big, strong looking, hardy fella, and shake her hand saying, Rory, I just wanna say thanks and he'd walk away and so that's that's for me is what it's all about, like genuinely, because I know how that man must have felt and, and now hopefully he's doing better. So yeah, it's an o- it's 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 ongoing but like you know, it, talking about it is key, like people letting on their fine when they know they're down or not. That's where I believe most damage can be done. Like um, so yeah, it, it's it's an ongoing thing, but <clears throat> I just you know, look what happens when you turn your attention to something you're passionate about. That's my message and all the talks I give is, you know, you can do you can do the most amazing things because I think when you come from rock bottom where you touch or go and you make it through and you you move forward, you become very resilient. let like, you know you, you start to really kind of just shake off uh, normal life problems because you know. You know, and I believe I wouldn't have done as well in that Ultimate Hell Week if I wasn't through the dungeons I was in my head, like, you know, because physically I was fucking way off the pace compared to some of them savages. But but mentally, I was like, no, oh, I'm used to myself failing in my head. I've it's, it's been failing since I was 10 years of age and I pulled on that kind of resilience, you know, to get me as far as I could. And then I, yeah, waved the white flag, exhausted, yeah.
0: When you went to the stag, when you have the likes of you know the big macho man coming up to you, or you have someone coming up to shake your hand in the street, or if it is a message on social media and people are thanking you because you came out and you told your story and as a result had a domino effect for another person that felt comfortable to share their struggles, how does that make you feel?
1: I it was like, and like. Like i w- i would be an emotional person i have no problem admitting that again it's it's part of you know, i suppose the way i'm wording that so it does like it, it really it, it i don't often like I, I i'm really bad at kind of tapping myself but there is times where you do just take a step back and go well wow, like man jesus christ like imagine like that just by you being honest is after god knows you know saving his life or whoever and it is it's I've often said it like I don't really care if you find me funny or not. I really, I genuinely don't like, and that's like I'm, 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 I'd like to think I'm intelligent enough to know that like comedy will never please everyone, and and that's fine. Like, um, and 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 I know I never try to, you know, be the funniest man in the world or try to be get everyone to like it or anything. I just do what I do, and and and. You know, at the end of the day, it's irrelevant what people think your comedy. For me, it's it's that like that's the work, like you know what I mean. And and that's, you know, again, the Hell Week like that was massive eye opener for, for a lot of people. Like like I still haven't seen half the emails and messages that come in from that. Like you know, because people seeing me in that vulnerable position, and again, the the guy can enjoy. So I I I I know it sounds maybe a bit cringe, but I genuinely like helping people. Like I like people think that. You know, big house, big that. Yeah, like obviously, you know, you're successful. You'll get whatever you get for what you do. But for me, it is honestly knowing that other people are, are are taking a bit of feel good factor from me because I honestly know how it feels to feel shy about yourself, <clears throat> and no one should, no, and no one should make, be made feel like that. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like you. Obviously, you you've mentioned Hell Week and um, Gaelic and the joy. I know. You were in recently meeting the Education Minister um in a bid to try and get Gaelic and the joy to be shown in schools across the country, secondary schools um I've watched it myself, you know half the country has watched it. you know how has that become such a passion of yours, in particular the focus on prisoners um you know people that have taken a wrong path in life, such as getting involved in criminality. why that? cohort
1: of people? <clears throat> because again, I I see myself in them. Like, you know, I, I was the young lad, you know, messing with school, <clears throat> you know, hanging around the bushes, you know, drinking cans, smoking hash, playing the two pack, all the sovereigns on my fingers, thinking I was this kind of gangster. And and obviously, thankfully sport really did kind of move me away from that environment. But I'm still really good friends with a lot of lads that are struggling. And they're good lads. And like, as fate you know, manifested. Ross Hanway, obviously, like, I know Ross 20 years, and he was in Mount Joy, and he was on our team, and, like, you know, he often sat at this exact table, I am here, playing cards with me, having a few bottles of beer, and and the good, the, the cocaine really is, is, is where the downfall was for him, and couldn't control the, the addiction, and he got involved, and he ended up at, at the doors of Mount Joy, and <clears throat> I seen a care like, when me and Philly first went in, like, when the cameras weren't rolling like it was a very scary experience like we were in the main jail and all the prisons were unlocked but if i was to describe it in one word i'd say sad it's sad like it's, all these guys are a lot of them are on drugs all day long their eyes are not there you look into their eyes and the soul is gone and it's yeah, it's very. I think it's very sad. And listen, hundred percent. There's a lot of people that should be in prison for like loads of various terrible crimes. And and I get that. But there's a hell of a lot of people. I really believe that just need uh, a positive role model in their life or need a positive uh, environment. Um and Jordan, who we've been working with, is perfect for example. Like I only met Jordan last weekend. We were out in Port Marnock, and he's in grey form. He's off the drugs. He looks he looks really good and he's such a a pure as the only way I can describe him he's so he he doesn't know how to lie Like he's just so honest and so raw and he was just pulled in that direction because he was in a lot of uh, care as a young guy and his mum and dad may have been struggling themselves with addiction and, and he he unfortunately took the brunt of that and 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 but he's so positive now. It's all the man wants is he he texts me about two weeks ago saying, "Rory, um, is there any way I could get somewhere to live when I get out of prison? Because I know if they put me back in a hostel, like I get involved again." And I said, "Jordan, I promise you, I will get you somewhere. If it's my couch, I'll have you there. There's no bother." And and it's all I want. He he just said to me, and it nearly made me cry. He was like, "I want." I want somewhere to live. I want a job and I want to go to the gym and I want a girlfriend. That's all he wants. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and he's, there's loads of him in prisons like that. That didn't get the chance he was given. And, and, and like Jordan, as I keep saying to him, he can go on now and inspire a generation. Like, because listen, call a spade a spade. Things are in a very scary place at the minute in society. Um, the cocaine thing for me is mind blown. Like it's, uh, like I give you a good example of where it's at. So in Cork, there a few weeks ago, we were in this busy bar, and the queue for the lads' toilets was longer than the girls', and I was bursting and I kind of went my way through, and <clears throat> and I looked, but there was no one actually say having a piss or whatever. It was, they were all queuing up for the toilet, and I looked, and there's oh, the stories by whatever, and I I just took a quick glimpse, and I just done an observation check, and it was from the age of about nineteen to sixty, in this queue. And as God is my judge on my kids' life, I walked out right, and about 20 minutes later, a fella come up to me and goes, Oh, Lord stories, boy, welcome to Cork. Can I get a photo? Is he in? Yeah, no bother. And he says, here, boy, shake me hand. And he went to shake me hand and he put a bag of coke into my hand, right? No word of a lie yet. And I just said to him, I said, here, pal, I'm not into that. And I put it in his pocket. I says, did you watch Gaelic in the joint? He said, I did, boy, it was brilliant. I says, I says what did you learn? And he was like, oh, no, listen, the famous words of an addict. He said, listen, I, I was bad on this stuff, but I have it under control now. Says a man giving me a bag of cocaine. And like, I went home that night and it was, it was actually, I was going to post something about it the next day. And I, I had a bit of fear, so I just didn't like, and I kind of, but like, that is 100% the true story. And, and I was thinking, my wife said, you know, it's mad though. If someone had a, got a photograph, like of that moment when he handed me the Coke, <clears throat> and it got into the hands of someone that wouldn't be a fan of me or whatever and threw it online, you get ossified, but then they don't know what happened and and that is hand and heart what happened. So so th- that's what I mean. That's how mad and how normalized it is. And I've no issue anyone do with anyone doing cocaine. Um, you know, I was on a stag and it was definitely lads doing it or whatever, but for me, it's addiction. Like it's like if you can do your whatever you want to do your drugs, your drink, and and leave it at that till another special occasion. Well, then you're letting your hair down. But it's getting yeah, it's 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 scary. It really is like you know. And even listening to boys in in Mount Joy, like they be telling you stuff. Like we we'll would say away from the cameras, and it's it's eye opening. Like um, and I don't know what to do. Like uh, I'm not into politics, but I feel sorry for Helen at the minute. I I think that. No matter what she does, she's kinda of wrong. If you get me like um so it's it's tough. It's a tough society to try uh bring a bit of war to and I think everyone can really, you know, relate to that, like from the crime and the drug uh scene at the minute scary, like.
0: Mm-hmm. Obviously it's uh, in every aspect of society, um doesn't matter your job, but gambling as well, I suppose I mentioned earlier on, um, like anecdotally you would hear a lot of uh, issues with gambling, particularly look young and old, but particularly with younger teams these days across uh, the country. Have you come across, is that a, an experience that you've witnessed as well in terms of um young players, well, I suppose young and old?
1: Ah, oh, yeah, listen, it's, it's, again, my mindset is the same as gambling or as cocaine. It's like, listen, if you can do it and, and enjoy it for what it is, like have one bet at the weekend on a match or you can go and have a few bets of channel. I mean, if you it's again all comes down to addiction, like everything in moderation. But again, for every gang of sixteen year olds now who are all doing online betting and WhatsApp groups, there's there's gonna be two two Rory's in that group. Statistically with my mindset that is it's gonna bury them. Like, you know, it's gonna turn them into lawyers. And it's gonna gonna be be a problem for them and the relationships with money and with people going forward. And that's that's the awareness. Like you know, it's not like I don't want to be just like you know, close every bookies in Ireland and stop chat. No, if you're able to enjoy, I'm just jealous. Like I'd love to be able to enjoy it for what it is, but I can't. And there's a lot of people that are you know probably in the same boat, but don't realize it yet. Um, when I was betting as a sixteen-year-old in in Ashburn, my local uh, town, I remember being in the bookies and uh, putting fivers on and one in the women. I remember her well. She said, "Rory, I'm telling you, it's only fivers now, but be careful." As ah, like, oh, no, no, I only blah blah blah. And I always remember saying to me, and as the years go on, the fiver just becomes boring and the tenor becomes boring, and you're, again, you're looking for the bigger kick. You know, if you put a tenor on a horse or a hundred euro on a horse, what's going to give you more of a thrill? obviously the 100 euro, do you know what I mean? So <clears throat> so that's what I'd be worried about is all the young people, especially online. Like That's when I knew why the problem was when, <clears throat> excuse me, when the online betting became a thing. That's when I knew I, because it's so easy, you're just on your phone and you're, you're looking at any, I used to look at any crap on the TV and put a bet on it, do you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I haven't been in the bookies and, Oh, ten years now pretty much, so it's uh I don't want to go near it either. Like yeah.
0: Would would you be afraid to step inside the door of a Bookies?
1: <clears throat> ah listen, I, I wouldn't to be honest with you. Like I was at a race meeting about maybe the year before COVID and I had a great day. <clears throat> I went with my <clears throat> excuse me, my girlfriend and my friends and I uh I just sat up at the bar, had a couple of pints and and en- enjoyed the day. But that's not to say I can't go into my bookies now and am on a few bets and and I'd be grand, so just it's just not worth the hassle, really, if you know what I mean, it's not worth it.
0: Um, Have you ever thought about, and obviously it's a, it's a difficult question as well, uh, how much money you may have lost over the years in gambling?
1: Um, To be honest with you, like I wasn't the big, like I didn't have money, to be honest with you, I was in a minimum wage job, and thankfully I was able to give my girlfriend the money for the rent and for the shopping but then the disposal money I didn't care about that so like I'd go in and I'd try and gamble that and that just meant ham and cheese sandwiches for the week going to work like you know what I mean like everyone getting breakfast rolls or chicken fillet rolls and you're sitting there with your scaldy ham sandwiches and that was that was the risk you took so thankfully I never like you know borrow big money to gamble but it was always a fix like you know like you'd, you'd lose a few Say you lost, I don't know, €100, €200 euro and you come home and like that to me at the time was like a lot of money because I didn't have it. <clears throat> and then I'd suddenly find myself down in my dad's shed rooting 3 or €4 euro out of his golf bag and I'd be straight back down with the 3 or €4. Euros. Like that's, that's clearly a problem, but but denial is a great thing when you're, when you're, when you're addicted to that. Like it's, you don't want to hear the truth because the truth hurts so you, you, it's e- it's easier just to lie like.
0: um has fa- fatherhood had a significant impact on your outlook in life and dealing with everything that you've been through on your journey
1: yeah of course like you know i i see a lot of um a lot of me and my, my son especially like you know he's 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 full on, we'll say as well and uh i can relate to an awful lot of stuff he does and um <clears throat> i've no doubt about it, that He's going to experience the similar stuff that I did growing up. And and thankfully the, the education system now is a bit more open and advanced than it was. So is all, all me and my wife want is for my son not to feel like I did in school. Like, you know, that is that is the bottom line. I don't want him to believe he's stupid or think he's stupid because I know the damage it can do from the confidence. And I'm one of the lucky ones, here that pulled myself away and, and built a career. But there's a lot of people that, for instance, end up in Mount Joy or ended up uh, with addiction that didn't pull themselves through. So I just want to give my son the best possible opportunity for him to blossom out whatever he wants to do. Like,
0: How important is faith to you? Do you believe in anything in particular? Do you pray or do you have any faith at all?
1: Um, yeah, I'm obviously a Catholic, but I, I, I'd be lying if I say I went to Mass, really, to be honest with you. But... I, I don't believe you have to go to mass to be a good Catholic. Um I'm with spiritual, very spiritual. Yeah, big time. Yeah. I, I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe there's signs like I'd be a big like eleven eleven head and I'd be a big like uh, robins appearing and feathers and that. Um <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in, in law of attraction and, and, and spiritual I I really am. Like that's that's one of the things that that gives me hope like you know and, and I often said my friend Ross would be big like that as well and we've often said that you know we need we need to look no further than his story like he landed in Mount Joy after making a big mistake and here's one of his mates doing a TV show that was able to pull him away from the dungeon and, and pull him back onto his knees and, and let him you know get a better life and he's excited like Jordan to, to go back and finish his apprenticeship and move on and, and stay off the drugs and, and be a good person so I've, I've no reason not to believe in fate and not to believe in uh, things happening for a reason because my own journey... Um, yeah, like, uh, there's a lot of mind-blowing stuff that's happened to me over the years, like, you know, the stars aligning and that. And it's... You can either think it's bullshit and whatever or you can embrace it. But for me, I embrace it, like, you know, I really do. And I I, I believe the whole karma in, in a good and bad sense. Like, I think if you're good to people... It shouldn't be hard, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't... Unless there's being, you know, a P-R-I-C-K-T-U. Yeah, fair enough. But it's all people sometimes need to say hello and do whatever you can for them. And I think the universe uh, works in that way. And if you're a bad egg and you're constantly doing bad things, I think you'll eventually be found out. Um, Because someone's looking down, you know. uh, You know, you can hide behind closed doors, but there's someone even more powerful that will land you on your arse, you know.
0: What's one thing that you would change about Ireland and why?
1: Oh god, it's a good question. Um is the weather too much of a windy question?
0: <laughs> You're not the only person that has said that. I was thinking you do look very sun you do look very sun kissed there after coming back from your
1: holidays. Is is, is yeah, is the is the weather out and I can change? It's a bit a bit of a windy answer, <laughs> no pun intended. Like um
0: Go deeper for me.
1: Yeah, um Like it goes back to the education system, yeah. Like that's that's my that is my like you know everyone only has uh, one chance at life like and you only you're only you're only one care feeling aurora O'Connor that's you and and what do you want to be remembered for do you want to be remembered for blending in with the crowd and and you know doing the good things and not breaking any rules and you know whatever you got to do or do you want to kind of uh you know, be remembered for the impact you had. And my go feeling is, you know, I believe my destiny is, is the education system, like because of my own story. Like, and I done LCA in school and I'm proud I done that, but I'm I'm more proud to go back and speak to LCA students as a four-time best-selling author and I can't spell it, like, you know what I mean? And that's something that I really am, um, very passionate about. I just want other people to know that just because you're struggling inside a classroom doesn't mean you're stupid. You just have to find your lane and I consider myself super intelligent uh, from a, um emotional point of view but obviously completely disastrous from an academic point of view but that's fine. Like, um, so I would like to see schools cater more for, for uh, you know, I think that Majority or not, majority that the, the lion's share of people would maybe be a bit more emotionally intelligent. Um, but they focus on academic. You need academic people, obviously, they they they, they keep us alive, they they do all our, our books and they do all our figures, they do all this stuff. But but then there's also a hell of a lot of very intelligent people that just never were given a chance to blossom. Um, and and so that's why education system, and in fairness, Norma Foley, she I liked what I heard of her. Like, I I I I went in there, uh, all guns blazing, and she was she she answered like the, the way I hoped she would that she she knows the leavers' system is is running out of time and, and 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 you know young people like they need to emphasise more on apprenticeships in school make them more appealing and that to young young lads rather than just you know. You know, go back to our days in school, and your 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 mate left in third year, and your mom and dad said, "Oh, don't don't hang around with him. He's a he's a failure." Like you know, and here's the fella now that runs his own engineer company. So, yeah, so that's for me. is one thing I changed for Ireland, and I think it is changing. But I I'm gonna do my level best to, to do it because I I always think of like you know, there's a great saying. It's like be the person you needed when you were ten. Like. And I feel like that I'm fighting that battle for Rory when when Rory was told to stand up in class and he couldn't read and everyone be laughing at him. And so I I have that grim, uh, grip between my teeth to, to you know, do him proud, like, basically, like, and that's what my mission is like.
0: I was going to ask you finally my last question, um, but it might be what you've just said, piece of advice that you would give to someone, to, to my next guest.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like... Uh, Start, start, scaring the shit out of yourself. Uh, with with taking taking chances. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that that's why I would say to people, it's like, fear never leaves you. Like, fear never leaves you. It's and 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 it was great to hear Ray Goggins say that to me when we doing a bit of work together. Like, and I'm like looking at him, like he, this is a fella who stood outside a hostage room, like you know, counting the five to go in, and and like he could have been brown bread, like, and he says, well. That's no different than someone jumping into the deep end with no arm man's arm when he can't. Like it's it's all relevant. But for me it's definitely is is get used to feeling fear and 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 taking it on, like you know, and you know, get used to being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And that for me is the key. Like, um, fear doesn't leave you, just raise the bar, like that's kind of how I look at it. So uh and and stop giving a shit what people think about you. It's such a oh my god, people like it's gas. We often think about Ireland like little old village and a little old county but like do you ever go walking around Europe or around America and you're thinking yourself do you think anyone here cares about what Martin or or Pauline done in the local pub last Friday night no one cares like so just don't give a shit what anyone thinks you because people if you're the nicest person in the world people will still not like you because they think you're too nice like so I always say to young people in school, like, just be yourself, like, because, like, at least then you can, whenever you're pulled from the sky or whatever happens after, you can say, well, at least I was true to myself and I wasn't trying to be someone I'm not. And and, and that's just the way it is from my experience. Just, just, yeah, be who you're meant to be, like.
0: Rory, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah,
1: no bother at all. Yeah, cheers.
0: Thanks to Rory for speaking to me today and I'll be back here next week with another episode on the Cure Feeling Podcast.